Monster Pipeline. My name is Steve Jones. Before we get to today's program, I want to give you a little bit of insight into uh, this program and what it is and what to expect from uh, future episodes of Concert Pipeline. Uh, Concert Pipeline was a show that I uh, produced myself uh, just about 10 years ago. The show includes interviews uh, with artists on tour through the Bay Area as well as performances from their concert. The first episode of Concert Pipeline aired in November 2004, um, and the show went all the way through to the most recent episode being in 2008. Uh, so I got the opportunity to interview a lot of great people uh, and see a lot of amazing concerts, and so um, now I'm bringing that to the podcast format. Um, so I'm going to share that with you over the uh, next couple months, bringing back these uh, interviews from 10 years ago with ar artists, some of which who have fallen by the wayside and some of which who have grown to great heights. Um, so it's really amazing to see where artists are 10 years later. Um, so that's what we're going to do, and we're going to start that off um, to, with uh, the first episode of Concert Pipeline ever. Uh, which uh, featured a presidential dinner uh, with John Kerry as he was um, running for president in 2004 against George Bush. Um, it's a politically themed episode, so to balance it off, we also interviewed uh, a band called Autopilot Off. We, uh, I spoke to their lead singer, Chris Johnson, um, and they were featured on the Rock Against Bush album uh, that was created by Fat Mike from No Effects. Um, so we got to talk a little bit of politics with him as well. So let's start with me giving you a little bit of insight into the presidential dinner with John Kerry. Uh, I had just moved to San Francisco and was starting going to school at San Francisco State. Um, it was a week before uh, classes actually started and um, and then there was the, I knew John Kerry was going to be in town. And so I uh, decided I'd just go to where he um, was having this uh, really expensive dinner uh, where you had to, one of those ones where you had to buy a, a plate for hundreds of dollars uh, to even be in the room. I just figured I'd show up with my video camera um, and I didn't have the show all started up yet or anything, but I had done other shows, uh, TV shows before. So um, I went in and I went to the counter uh, to um, and told them I had this TV show that I was um, doing it for and they wanted to see a business card. I had business cards, but I left them back at my apartment. So um, I, they, they let me uh, call the TV station and, pr and I pretty much just had to make me another business card and, uh, and then um, fax it to uh, the crew uh, for the presidential dinner and that was good enough for them um, to let me in and let me videotape part of John Kerry's uh, speech for all these people uh, who are paying a lot of money to support him uh, which is pretty funny and then I got to go up at the end and uh, shake John Kerry's hand. He didn't become president but um, but it was cool to think that hey uh, I got to shake the hand of someone who might have been able to be president didn't happen anyway. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and let's get it started with uh, John Kerry's uh, presidential dinner back in November of 2004. Thank you. Thank you all very, very much. I'm sorry that we're running a little late. And, uh, I'm so grateful uh, to all of you for taking the time to be here once again. My God, San Francisco and the Valley and North and South, you have been extraordinary 
uh, in this effort again and again, investing in the future of our country, literally. Uh, not in me, but in a larger mission. And I cannot think of a way, I can't think of a place where I have been more thoughtfully, more eloquently, uh, more seriously, and more articulately introduced than I just was by a remarkable public servant, Bill Perry. great to be back here on one of those gorgeous uh, pre-fall days that uh, gets all of our uh, pre-election juices flowing and preschool you know, in whatever mood we're in, but it does change one's outlook a little bit. Um, good to be back in California. Also, I was thinking about it on the way up here. That, uh, your governor and I actually have a lot in common. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I don't believe that. That's just funny on its face. <laughs> but uh, for those of you who know Teresa, and those of you who know Maria, it is obvious that we both married up. He married up. I married up. <laughs> he married a woman of another party. I married a woman of another party. George Butler, the filmmaker, made a documentary on Arnold. And George Butler, the filmmaker, has made a documentary on me. Arnold has massive biceps, and I have massive hair. So, we're, not, you know, we're sort of working on it anyway. Um, I think the choice in this election could not be more clear. It's a choice about values, about the real values that define us as Americans, as human beings, much more than as Democrats and Republicans or independents. And it's a time when I can't think of more serious issues where their choice is so different from our choice, where the clarity of where we can go as a country is as well-defined as it is. Every occasion where President Bush has had an opportunity to be able to make a choice, his choice has been the narrow choice, the choice for the wealthiest people in the country, the choice for the most powerful people in the country, the choice for the people with access, polluters who go into the White House and rewrite the environmental laws to take us backwards, oil companies that in secret, without America even knowing who they are today yet, go into the White House and write an energy policy that incidentally is not yet even passed at a time when America needs an energy policy desperately. We believe it is time to put America back to work by investing in this country, restoring fiscal responsibility, believing in science, doing stem cell research, doing the research of the future, creating the movement of capital towards the technology and the jobs of the future, the, the high value added jobs, creating a manufacturing jobs credit, beginning to revitalize the manufacturing base of this country, and most importantly, putting common sense back into the marketplace. Fairness, where we're not asking you, the American taxpayer, to go out and reward a company 
that makes a decision to take its jobs overseas. They can do it if they want, but in John Kerry's administration, we're going to reward the companies that create the jobs here in the United States. Of America. that the American worker is among the most productive workers in the world, finest workers in the world, and we deserve to make it clear that if you give the American worker a fair playing field to compete on, there's no one in the world the American worker can't compete against. I'm going to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm running for president because this country was built by the middle class its core values and guts and its heart is in the middle class, and the middle class deserves a champion. A voice in the White House that is going to fight for what's Okay, I have a plan. George Bush has had four years off for America plan, he has no plan. He doesn't even go out and talk about it. He doesn't even ask all the businesses of America to come to the White House and say, how are we going to solve this problem? I mean, that's what leadership is about. That's the power of the bully pulpit of the White House. You can find the common ground if you're looking for it. I have a plan to take the catastrophic cases off your backs, out of the private sector. Insurance companies will get paid. We're not going to go to war with the corporate you know, concept of how we deliver health care. We're going to make it feasible. But we create powerful incentives by which we lower the premiums for all Americans. And that will make healthcare less expensive for business and less expensive for the individual, which means American businesses will be more competitive, and it also means Americans will have cash in their pocket to be able to do other things with it. But we're also going to cover all children in America. We're going to open up the opportunity for people 55 to 64 to be able to buy into Medicare early. And we're going to allow any American who wants to, to buy into the same health care plan that senators and congressmen give themselves. We're cutting less after-school programs today than we did four years ago so that the wealthiest people in America can get another tax cut. We don't have a broken budget system in Washington, we've got a broken value system in Washington. And that's what we need to do. I am determined that we're going to turn that around and we're going to do it with common sense. Yes, we're going to continue down the road of accountability and standards and measurements in our schools, but measurements that make sense, standards that are applied not punitively, but thoughtfully that bring educators to the table in a partnership to figure out how we can do this well, and most importantly, we're going to fix this problem of $27 billion of underfunding of No Child Left Behind, and we're going to fund it and fund it fully. We're going to restore respect for teaching and educators, and we are going to fully fund special needs education across America. So we saying something new. I said it at the time. I said it on the floor of the United States Senate, and I'll say it again. This country, the United States of America, should never go to war because we want to. We should only go to war because we have to. And this president violated that principle.
my opinion, this is about our country and our safety. All of America is paying a higher price because of these choices. I will fight a smarter, more effective war on terror than this president has, and I will make America safer than this president has. I believe we need a president with new credibility, who can have a fresh start, who didn't get us in it, because that's the best way we're going to get out of it, is a president who knows how to bring those people to the table. most important election of our lifetime, and it is more in your hands, the outcome, than in mine, or John Edwards, or Teresa, or Elizabeth. What you can choose to do over these next 67 days is all the difference in the world, and I ask you to do that. I ask you to go out there and talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, talk to every Republican and Independent you can find, and remind them there is nothing conservative about running up debt as far as the eye can see and piling it on top of our children, the biggest deficits in history. There's nothing conservative about trampling on the line drawn that separates church and state in the United States of America. There's nothing conservative about the Attorney General who disrespects the Constitution of our country. We can do these define the future. We're Americans. We're the can-do people. We're the optimists. We're the people who know how to make things happen. We just have to go out there and look to that next horizon and grab onto that next dream. And I promise you, the best days for this country are ahead of us. The hope is there. The sun is rising for America. And we are going to reclaim our democracy in the United States on November 2nd. Thank you. from auto, releasing our autopilot off on Island Records. Um, Chris Johnson spoke to me about, you know, touring, about, you know, the band, about Project Revolution, which uh, the tour, one of the biggest tours of the summer featured Linkin Park, Korn, Snoop Dogg, The Used, Less Than Jake, and a bunch of other bands on the second stage, including Autopilot Off. Uh, the Used uh, got the second, got the main stage going after Less Than Jake, and The Used played a pretty good set, actually. They played uh, a bunch of their songs from Maybe, Mem Maybe Memories, their second album, as well as their first album, and, and some new stuff that they're working on. Uh, that for their album that is out now actually um, and a tour that they're working on putting out in a couple of months they're going to be touring uh, so they, they put on a pretty good show with Burt McCracken I've seen them perform a couple of times and I've known them since they were a small, uh, smaller band actually and uh, they, they they really get into their show and Burt McCracken is actually infamous for throwing up on stage during his set he didn't throw up during this set actually but he uh, you know, he was getting out and uh, interacting with the with the audience actually, so they put on a pretty good show. Next up came Snoop Dogg and Snoopadelics, his backup band. He Snoop Dogg gave it a rock type feel. He he played some rock songs, you know, with the Snoopadelics as his backup band. He's normally into hip hop and rap, you know. He uh, he's a rapper, so he definitely did a lot of rapping. But he gave it a rock feel, you know. It's a rock crowd here with Linkin Park and all these other bands, so he had to make a way for him to fit in. That was it. Snoop Dogg 
totally held this show up uh, with his band. You know, got the crowd going, going, and working up towards the, you know, the two headliners. Corn, I'd say, was a headliner as well as Lincoln Park because their set was as long as Lincoln Park's. Corn uh, put on a really good show uh, with covers from Metallica and Pink Floyd. They covered Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, which I think is amazing because Pink Floyd is a classic rock band, and you know they have their classic rock feel. That song will never change; it'll be a part of history forever. And I feel, and um, you know, Corn brought it down a notch. They they uh, they played that song in a metal version, uh, you know, so they uh, got the crowd going. They put they put the words upon the screen so that the uh, the crowd could see, you know, sing along for those who didn't know it. But although anybody who's a real music fan knew that song, and everybody was singing along to the uh, to a little bit of Pink Floyd metal style. <laughs> so they, I feel they stole the show over Lincoln Park, who was actually about a half an hour late from their scheduled uh, set time. Lincoln Park must have been like sitting backstage eating burritos or something, I don't know, uh, because they were late for their time to start, so they put on less of a show, uh, just over an hour long, although they were scheduled for almost two hours uh, for the night, so um, that was pretty bad because it's the last night of the Project Revolution tour, uh, and it would have been good to go out with a bang, but they they did do a bunch of, you know, their hits and everything, and that, that was pretty cool, but they... Their show, overall show, wasn't that great. They played their, uh, a song from before they were even known as Linkin Park, and uh, so that was that was interesting to hear some old school stuff, you know, for the diehard Linkin Park fans. But uh, you know, there's nothing that's made this show stick out. I saw that Linkin Park when they were on the Meteora tour earlier this year and with who was staying story of the year and pod but and i thought that was a really good show and part of that reason also was because they had a it was an arena tour so they had a general admission floor section or so the fans can get up and get close you know get be part of the music uh you know be part of the show and actually see the show the general admission section for the uh, shoreline amphitheater is lawn so that's you know about 100 yards back there are seats uh but uh you have to have front row seats to get the best you know show obviously and what are the chances of getting front row seats at a concert uh so uh that so that kind of took away from their show but uh, they you know and i don't feel the lincoln parks uh kept up to their their part of the bargain so anyway uh that, that was my review of the project revolution tour here is Chris Johnson from the band Autopilot Off to talk about touring, talk about the Project Revolution tour, and talk about writing new new songs. Here you go. Take it away, Autopilot Off. Steve Jones, and I'm here with Chris Johnson from the band Autopilot Off. How are you doing? What's up, Steve? How are you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. So you're here on the Project Revolution tour at Lincoln Park, The Use, uh, Snoop Dogg. Uh, how's that tour been going so far? Uh, we were only on the last week of it, so it was a pretty short run, but uh, it was awesome, you know? Um, the way they have the like Revolution Village set up or whatever, like the second stage where we play, like there's like baseball and the Sobe tent. There's a lot of stuff to do, and uh, it's been good, man. Really good. Now you guys are like hopping around on a whole bunch of tours right now. So you got Lesson Jake next week, like even tomorrow, right? Uh huh. Yeah. For like a week, and yep. Then then you're gonna be on the Nintendo Fusion tour, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're on the Nintendo Fusion part of it, but we'll be out with Story of the Year and My Chemical Romance. So yeah. hopefully there'll be some Nintendo stuff there, and I will see. Yeah, I think but it's like the whole tour, so that should be really? pretty cool. Awesome. I think so. Cool. Um, yeah, that'll be hitting the uh, Warfield, I think, actually, uh, here in the Bay Area. So I hope should so. Be good. Yeah. I don't know I, if you, I don't think you guys are going to be. Nah, no, you guys yeah. are. Gonna, no, but 
Is, do you find that uh, touring is a big part of your band, you know, because it seems like you guys are touring nonstop? That's pretty much, uh, it's always been, like, that's kind of like all we did, like, when we first started, was just tour, and, uh, you know, it's been pretty consistent, like, from here on. I think we'll have, like, our longest break between now and that Story of the Year tour that we've had in like, maybe a couple of years, you know, so. You guys have been around for a long, long time. How'd you guys all meet? Um, well, Phil and I, you know, we're friends in high school, and, uh. I know Chris Hughes' sister, and so that's how we met him. And uh, then Rob was in another band, and we had had different bass players for a long time. And then Rob's band broke up, and we hung out, so we asked him to play with us. And you know, it's a typical way usually most bands start, just like friends first or whatever. So yeah, yeah. I guess have this uh, new CD out, Make a Sound, uh, on Island Records. How was the writing process for you? It was tough, man. Like uh, we had never really written on the road or anything before, and like never had like the pressure of like this full length hanging over us before that record so we went from like a tour with Snapcase to a tour with Good Charlotte to a tour with the Ataris and it was like three months long and I was freaking out and trying to just write songs like on the road and then once we got home we had a couple of months to like kind of regroup and write together and that's when like all the best stuff started coming out so it's definitely like a learning experience so. Do you do most of the writing? you can find that you, uh, you guys uh, work better when you write together? Um, we all like write the music together and then uh, I usually go back and uh, write all the lyrics, so, yeah. Now, how have the audiences been on the uh, Project Revolution tour so far? They've been awesome, you know, it's definitely like a different, we're used to playing like more into a punk rock crowd, obviously, but, um, you know, I think um, the audience here have been like really receptive, you know, and, uh, you know, probably better than I expected, honestly, like, you never know what you're going to get, like, with people that don't really, aren't familiar with that kind of music, but um, they've been great, man. Uh, what what are uh, some of the uh, some of your influences musically? Um, I don't know. Like as a band, I think definitely like because we all have our own like our own little favorites. But uh, definitely as a band, like Green Day, Hot Water Music, U2, uh, um, probably like Social Distortion. Like those are like the ones across the board that like everybody like agrees on as far as like a huge influence. So. You also uh, ha have a song on this uh, new album, Rock Against Bush Volume 2. Great yeah. about that. <laughs> no, now did uh, Fat Mike just call you up and say, hey, you know, I'm putting together a CD. You guys want to be on it? or? How did, how did uh, that... Well, Chris Hughes, our guitar player, has uh, he's hung out with Fat Mike. He worked for H2O, actually, guitar teching on the 2001 Warp Tour, and uh, got to be pretty friendly with Fat Mike on that. I think that was a Gimme Gimme's year. I don't know if it I think it was a Gimme Gimme's year, not an effects year, but... Uh, yeah. He was hanging out with him a little bit on that that tour, and just kind of kept in touch over the years with them. And basically, uh, yeah, they got in, you know Fat Mike got in touch with Chris and told him about you know putting those CDs together, and then we ended up putting a track on it. So now, do you guys uh, are are you like totally against Bush, or I mean, in, in his uh, campaign, or is it just uh, the collaboration towards the cause? I think it's uh, that's that's the thing with that CD. Like, you know, I have a sister that's in the Coast Guard, so like. I actually called her before, like, you know, we put the, the song on, you know, and was like, would you be offended if, you know, I put this on there? Because, you know, personally, I'm not trying to, like, sway anybody's, like, political ideas. And, like, our song on there is, is not political at all. And, uh, you know, I think those decisions should be left, you know, to an individual. You know, whether it's somebody, whether it's, like, a conservative show or, like, a, you know, democratic show... I, an uneducated, like, you know, mis, you know, leading somebody isn't really, like, what we're about, but, you know, she gave us the okay, and, and like, I personally am not that for Bush, so, yeah. but I'm not that against him. I don't think that, you know, 
rock, you know, rock against Bush. If we get it, if you know John Kerry wins, I don't think that's going to put us in like you know utopia. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people think that that's going to be the instant cure to a lot of things, and I, I don't, there's still going to be problems, you know, no matter who's president. So, you know, there's definitely kind of like a you know split feelings on that. Definitely. Now, what are some stories that you have from the road? You know, every band has these stories from the road. You know that. Uh, yeah, th- the pranks that were pulled, th- you know, exciting things that happened on tour. What are some of those for you? Uh, probably the worst prank that ever got played on us was when we were on that Good Charlotte tour. And uh, we had, the last day of the tour that we were with them was on Halloween. Oh. So they came out in all these costumes, like, while we were playing. They dumped cereal on us and threw food and bananas, all this stuff all over us. Hilarious. And we thought that was bad enough until we went out to our van and there was like peanut butter and jelly on the lights and the windshield wipers <laughs> under the door handles. There was like marshmallow fluff on it. They basically took all the food on their bus and dumped it on our van. Nice. Rob was not very happy yeah. at all. You guys get a chance to play any pranks or you guys get them back? Ah, not really. I don't know. We usually are like busting each other's chops too much to really worry about playing pranks on other people. We always do this thing in the van with Rob. Guy cannot say no to like you know, foods and, like, you know, stuff that he shouldn't be eating. But he loves it. So he has a struggle. We love it. We'll, like, plant, like, you know, donuts or, like, candy or, like, a, you know, chicken sandwich on his seat. And he starts sweating it out like he shouldn't eat it. But he always ends up eating it. So we're usually just playing plank, pranks on Rob. So. Do you guys get a chance to go out and see the other bands, you know, play when you guys come out, to, uh, you know, and get to play these shows, you know, like Lincoln Park and stuff? Um, we've seen the show a couple times. It drives me pretty long, so like usually we have to leave kind of early. But um, I've seen the show. I saw it when it was in New York, and then uh, we saw it uh, the other night in uh, Phoenix. And it's a cool show, man. Like I normally would never go see Linkin Park or Korn. Nothing against those bands, but I mean, it's it's been awesome to get a chance to see them. I'm glad that I have because they put on awesome shows, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny because it's totally a different array of music. Who would think that like Snoop Dogg would play with? You know, bands like you guys or, you know, Linkin Park even, you know, that's totally... Yeah, it's awesome. Kind of thing, you know? So, um, what, so you do a lot of writing when, while you're on tour, right? Do you, uh, what do you guys do for uh, fun, you know, in between shows? I don't know. We do a lot of driving and, like, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, we do get free time. We all like to go out. Like, not like, you know, some bands, like, the members aren't really friends. And they, you know, they get on together on stage, but then they do their own thing when they're not. But we usually all hang out together, as lame as that's, you know, like, we'll go out to dinner together and, like, you know, go out and see movies, you know, or hang out and just barbecue at the hotels, whatever, you know. But yep. we definitely have a good time hanging out with each other, so. you have any plans for after you're done touring, you're going to go back in the studio and write, write for another record, or? I don't know, like, we'll have some time off, like, in between this and that story of the year tour, so I'll try and work on some new stuff at home, you know. Um, we've been, like, so focused on, like, this record, like, and touring on it that, like, it hasn't really, the new stuff hasn't really popped in my head yet, you know? So <laughs> usually it's, the way it works for me is like one thing's over, then you start another another thing. But I always like to stay ahead because otherwise I start freaking out. So we'll see what happens. Now your new single is What I Want, right? Is that getting, sorry, is that getting like a, a lot of radio play or is it just your, your single? Not really. It got like zero radio yeah. play, but um, Fuse played the video a lot, so that kept it going. And I think we're gonna go with a with another single soon, like this fall. So, um, see if that one gets radio play. Oh, definitely. But all right. Well, I'm Steve Jones, and we've been here with Chris Johnson from Autopilot Off at the Project Revolution tour. Thanks for watching.
What's up? This is Chris Johnson from the band Autopilot Off. We're out here at the Project Revolution Tour, and you're watching the Concert Pipeline. So there it is, the 2004 first episode of Concert Pipeline ever. I didn't have any musical performances in this episode, but I had a political theme with John Kerry on it, as well as Autopilot Off. So I guarantee we'll have a lot more music uh, coming up in future episodes. Uh, the next episode of Concert Pipeline will be featuring the Briggs as well as Flogging Molly from the Warfield. Um, and that's original air date was in December 2004. So um, that's something to look forward to. Flogging Molly, a, a great, great band that I've seen so many times and we've interviewed a lot of times. So you'll get to hear a lot from them um, in coming episodes. Thanks for tuning in to Concert Pipeline today. You could follow us on Twitter at Concert Pipeline and make sure to go out and see concerts live. It's really the best way to see bands and be a part of the experience. Show them that you're supporting. Again, my name is Steve Jones. I'll see you next time on Concert Pipeline. And it took one night when I packed my life.